You're listening to audio from Genesis Community Church. To find out more, visit us online at genesiscommunity.church. Um, we are launching into something this year <clears throat> that is a bit different for us as a church uh, because we're trying to combine multiple streams of ideas. So we said this in December and we're saying it now. <clears throat> this all has to do with engaging the scriptures together. So uh, we have a reading plan. I won't ask you to raise your hands and let me know if you're reading it, but I'm sure all of you are. Uh, so we have a reading plan, the F260, and if you want to join in on that, you can join in at any time, but if you need copies of it, they're going to be in the foyer in the back. Uh, so reading plan is a part of what we're doing, so we've launched that, finishing week one, so that has us in Genesis right now. Uh, and then the other thing is uh, we have another sheet that has memory verses that we are going through together week by week. If you go onto our Facebook page, you'll see me and my boys singing uh, this week's song. And maybe, uh, like I said, eventually we're going to get Brantner to do all of that. He doesn't know that yet, but I'm going to teach him the songs and he'll do it. <clears throat> But those songs are there for uh, you and your families to help you memorize it. So the one that we should be finishing this week is Genesis 1:27. Now, the songs are in the CSB, so I'm going to recite it here in the CSB, though you might be memorizing the ESV or KJV or NASB or whatever else, so we're going to be a little messed up on that. But let's just see how our brains are. You, I'm not putting the words up on the screen for you because this has to come from here and here. So you don't get the words. So if you can do it, great. If not, that's all right too. Uh, but we're blowing through. Hebrews 11.8 is this coming week. So we're going to start that. Go to our Facebook page and you'll see Hebrews 11.8 uh, uh, dropped this uh, today sometime. So it goes like this. So God created man in his own image. Right. He created him in the image of God. He created them and female, all right, Genesis 127. So next week, uh, Hebrews 11:8, and we'll be looking at the faith of Abraham, or Abram at first, then Abraham. So you'll have the reading plan, and you'll have the memory verses, part one, part two, part three is what you're about to do, which is I will take a passage that we read the week prior, and I'm going to preach that passage. So uh, we're calling this series for the, really the year, but calling it Hearing the Word, uh, because even um, I have a little journaling way that I engage, it's called a hear journal, but it kind of helps you go, okay, how can I engage the scriptures when I read it, when I write about it, when I think about it? Uh, so hearing the word, what are these things saying? And so uh, what I say is your time here and your gathering on Sunday, so often we come to the gathering dry and in hopes that the sermon can provide for us something that then we can take with us throughout the rest of the week. And we're gonna need to flip that, okay? So I want you to come here full and leave fuller. I don't want you to come here dry and leave a little less dry. I want you to come here full and then leave more energized for what's to come, but that's only gonna happen if you are engaging the scriptures throughout the week as well. So uh, I can't do the routine maintenance in your spiritual life in 40, 45 minutes. And our service in 75 minutes can't do that either. So we have to flip how we view it. We don't come here to get filled up. Uh, we live our lives engaging in the Lord, and that is our fill. Then we can gather here, and we can hear it and see what God's doing. So your time here will be benefited by your reading of the Word so that when you hear something, you go, oh, man, I read that this week. I know exactly where that is, and I can position it in context. I know how these things fit together. So those are our three pieces. Um, and so that's what we'll do. 
Lord willing, all year. If this plan stinks, don't tell me. Don't tell me. Um, I really don't think it will, but that's, our, that's how we're going into it, piece by piece. So again, if you need reading plans, you can join the reading plan at any time. You don't feel bad, because if, you, if you're like, man, I, you know, if you don't have a reading plan right now, like, don't wait till 2020. Just start it the time you realize you need to start it, and join up with us, and we'll do this together. So Genesis 1:27. I thought it would be good, as uh, we see in, well, yeah, Sound of Music, to start from the very beginning, which is a very good place to start. You guys know that. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Some of you will warm up to that joke. Others of you will be glad it's over. <laughs> Jacob, did you just amen me? Yeah, yeah. There's some, I think many of you would agree with this. Babies are cool. Babies cool? You like think babies are cute and cuddly and lovey dovey and whatever else and like babies are babies are neat and they haven't really expressed their rebellious heart yet, their disobedience. And so uh, they're just kind of awesome to hold. And yeah, they cry and they fuss and they're kind of a problem sometimes. But all in all, when you see a baby, you're like, this is awesome. And then remember, like you then go visit your friends who have babies. You're like, I, didn't, I don't remember babies being this light. I can't believe they were this light. Well, there is something interesting that um, Muslims do when babies are born. Babies are born. They, uh, the father generally, will take that child and whisper into his or her ear a specific part of the call to prayer. God is great. And the rest of that call to prayer because they want to, in a sense, make the first thing that child hears their identification with their Muslim faith. So they'll say that right at the beginning. First thing that they hear. Now this goes beyond just any faith system. This also can go to uh, even just branding. Most people know like if, if, if the company can get to you first with their product, that's the one you will be loyal to. We're all kind of brand loyal. Coke or Pepsi, which one? Yeah, see? Uh, yeah, what did you say? Coffee. Coffee. <laughs> Coke or Pepsi, coffee. Yeah. And something I've learned about you Texans, uh, and I am one again, is you are very persnickety about your coffee. Uh, maybe it's just an Acts 29 thing, but like, coffee and beer you care a lot about. Uh, <laughs> and you all have, your, you all have your, your things you like. And there is just this kind of psychology of as long as we can get to them first and communicate what we want them to do first, we have them. And so a lot of energy, even probably in your parenting, goes to can I be the first one to have the conversation with my children about this thing? Because if the conversation comes from somewhere else, then... Uh, I have to do some work to undo maybe what was heard and then rebuild it. Now, you know, as parents, like you can't get to your kids first about everything. Uh, at, at our table, we have a kind of a thing where it's like, hey, did you hear anything inappropriate at school today? Or see anything inappropriate at school today? So that the conversation of, oh yeah, well, somebody was talking about this. Uh, when I'm not preaching, I'll tell you some of the things we talk about or the words that we are hearing um, but 
uh, we, we do that in part because we want to act like we're not surprised. So we just kind of have the conversation of what have you heard, what are you thinking, what are you seeing, what are you experiencing, so that we can help our kids understand and process from a worldview perspective what that is. So when you start from the very beginning, Genesis, our first book of the Bible, the first book of the Christian Bible, the Old and New Testaments, and it's the first book of the Hebrew Bible, right? Genesis starts from the beginning. And even the phrase in the beginning is at the beginning of Genesis. There are things about Genesis that are to make an impression upon us about who God is. And often when we read Genesis, and I'm not saying you can't do this, but this is like, it takes us a peculiar level of nerdery to do this. We want Genesis to tell us specific things. I want to know how old the earth is. I want to know how this could happen before that. I want to know about this, that, and the other. And we ask Genesis to tell us things. And we might miss the things it's actually trying to tell us. So we come at it and we want to know these things. But, but God, through the inspiration of the Spirit, as this is being written, is trying to teach us certain things about who he is. And so I'm, I'm a big proponent of, yes, you can read the scriptures and the scriptures are consistent and you can find them and line them up with history. Like, absolutely, they are reliable and trustworthy and you should do that. But I also kind of go, can we just let this tell us what it seems to be trying to tell us and not, and not try to wring out of it things that it may not be trying to tell us and force it to tell us things because what it's trying to do is position for us a worldview. There are things that you need to know about God who he is and what he's done and what he is doing and the things you need to know about yourself that Genesis tells you. And so what I'm gonna do, uh, now you guys did Genesis recently, I've heard that story, so for those of you who have done it before, um, great, we're doing it again, all right? Uh, and we'll go six weeks in Genesis, we're gonna do the next six weeks through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So the first five is what we're calling the first part of this chunk. We're reading the Pentateuch over the first 12 weeks of this reading plan. So the first 12 sermons are going to be things in the Pentateuch, the first five books of Moses. So we're going to start with the creation story, Genesis 1-1 through Genesis 2-3. It doesn't end at the end of chapter 1. Kind of this, this portion of the creation story ends at 2-3. And so I'm going to read these verses to you. Uh, I might comment from time to time as we go through it. But Genesis breaks down in kind of two big ways. There's, there's uh, verses one through, or chapters 1 through 11, and there's chapters 12 through 50, for those of you that need a hinge. So 1 through 11, 12 through 50. 1 through 11, move us through creation, fall, flood, uh, and nations. Like the nations are scattered at the end of this portion of Genesis. And then we have 12, 1 through 3, and that's the call to Abram or Abraham, and that's kind of the hinge between 1 through 11 and 12 through 50. So we're moving super fast through 11 chapters, and then we turn into a snail. And 12 through 50, we just kind of march along and follow how God intends to fix what went wrong after the fall in Genesis chapter 3. But we're going to start with creation, starting in verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, 
and there was light. And God saw the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. Water, 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 water. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse and the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, the skies, what you see there. And there was evening and there was morning and the second day. God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place. And let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth. And the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which, the, uh, in, in which is their seed. Each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its own kind, and God saw that it was good. You see a theme here? There was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. Let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night, and the stars. God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, to separate the light from the darkness. God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And dinosaurs, were you following along with me? It doesn't say dinosaurs, I'm just kidding. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning the fifth day. So you're finding the flow. God speaks, he creates, the things happen, it was good. God speaks, he creates, it happens, it was good. Evening, morning, day, 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 day. So we're following along. Verse 24, And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps in the earth. Now, I changed this. I'm reading ESV. I put the CSB up there. So God created man in his own image. He created them in the, uh, him in the image of God. He created them male and female. And God blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over fish of the sea and over birds of heavens and over every living thing that moves in the earth. You can see that something different is happening with this creation. God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. 
And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for you. And it was so. And God saw everything he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now, Genesis 1, 1 through 2, 3 is one part of the creation story. Chapter 2 is another part of the creation story. Chapter 3 it already falls apart. Chapter 4, people are dying. So we, we're, we are starting out, though, with a pretty nice world. In fact, the first two chapters of Genesis begin with a created world where things seem to be going right. Then, basically, from Genesis 3 to Revelation 19, things aren't going too well. Uh, Revelation 20, then the last two chapters of Revelation, things are going all right again. So we have two chapters at the beginning where things seem to be okay and two chapters at the end where things seem to be really, really good, better than they were in the beginning. Because in the beginning, apparently sin could enter into this world. In the end, it can't. Sin's done for Satan's, you know, he's kind of vanquished. He's done. See you later, buddy. And we get to just be with the Lord. It's the middle where we get to live. But let's go back and see what God created. And, and I'm just going to put phrases up behind me, and then I'll point you to it. So you have to have your Bible in front of you so we can look at these things and make these connections together. Because some of you are going to go, this sermon's you know, great. Some of you are going to go, man, I wish you would have talked about X. Every sermon, I'm going to leave stuff out that you're going to wish I would have said. Uh, and I'm going to say stuff that you wish I wouldn't have said, and I'm going to hopefully say a number of things that you wished I would have said. So as I was looking at this, I said, okay, Lord, what, what's going on here? Now we have to think about this. No one was there except for God. And most would attest, I'll say it like this, most would attest Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, largely Moses writing, okay? Largely. And there were some edits that were made and comments that were made. Some people have a hard time believing that, that Moses would write and Moses was the most humble man that would ever live on the face of the earth. Uh, phrases like that. So uh, textual updating, explaining where our name is or where our place is. And so we'd attribute authorship of the first five books largely to Moses. Well, Moses wasn't here. Moses wasn't around when Abraham showed up on the earth. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, nope, not, not a chance. Moses didn't exist when the Israelites got into Egypt and it was good. The Joseph narrative, Moses isn't there. Moses only shows up in the book of Exodus after it had gotten bad for the people of Israel. So you have to think about it like this. The first per people who are hearing Genesis are the Israelites after captivity. The first people who are hearing this, Abraham's not hearing Genesis. He's not writing Genesis. He's experiencing it. The Israelites coming out of Egypt are hearing this. The people who have been given the promise and are trying to figure out how things are. So now, as they read this and see it, they're realizing some of how the pieces are fitting together. So this is how we start. We start with worldview. Here's the first statement I think that we need to know. Our God is. There's no other word after it. He just is. He exists. Genesis does not tell you how long before. He just tells you that he does. In the beginning, God. 
nothing predates God. Nothing. You cannot do any kind of, any type of uh, dating, carbon dating, anything else to find the age of God because Genesis lets you know in the beginning God. Our God is. He exists. He existed before there was anything. He created the world in which we see. He exists, I said just a couple of weeks ago, like we are eternal in one direction. We were born into this world and through faith in Jesus we have eternal life with God forever, but we don't go eternally in the other direction. Only God does. How do we know that? We see that in Genesis. In the beginning, God. Now it's funny though because as you look at that verse, because God is timeless, he doesn't really have a beginning, does he? So that's there for us. That's there for us to go, okay, so in the beginning of things as we know it, God was there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, you can see then from that that there are certain things that you as a believer in Jesus cannot hold on to. You can't have a system where God isn't eternal, where he was created and shows up later. It won't work. You can't hold on to that. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Well, that's a fun one, because you read it like, Holy Spirit, duh. Well, no one thought it was really like the Holy Spirit Trinity until Father, Son, and Holy Spirit existed, which wasn't until the New Testament. So the Spirit of God, you see often in the Old Testament doing certain things. The Spirit of God comes upon, the Spirit of God comes upon. Even David's like, don't take your Holy Spirit from me, right? They don't don't look at it in like the terms of Trinity. They just recognize the Spirit, activity, the the breath of God. I want to have that near me. So the Spirit of God, as they were saying, it was hovering over the water. So there was this chaotic, dark world that existed and God was there. And then you get to verse three, and God said, and this is the other part, our God speaks, Now this may seem insignificant. We kind of look past it. Oh yeah, it just says things. That's cool, God talks. I talk, you talk, it's talk, we communicate. But we cannot look past the fact that throughout Genesis chapter one, God is saying things. God said, and 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 God said. God is talking from the beginning. And this is why this is important for us. God wants to be known. He communicates and wants to be known. And so any system that we might have where God is elusive can't exist. From the beginning, God is declaring things. He makes himself known. Now the cool thing is this, right? Jesus is the word of God. That through Christ we get to see God. The word of God. And so as believers, we look at that and go, oh, I I know who's speaking, it's the Son. The Son speaks, the Son is the speaker because he's the Word. But what the Israelites get to know is God speaks. And it's so important to realize that and God said, 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 is that God is never trying to hide himself. He's never trying to make him, he he doesn't do that. In fact, as you've already read this week in chapter 60, even in the fall of man, God is there, and he goes to Adam, and he's like, hey, Adam, where are you? Like, you know, he knows where he is. I love that scene. Where, where are you, Adam? 
like he can hide. But from the beginning, God is showing us that he is relatable. He communicates. He lets us know about him and what he does. But there's only one God that can speak and then things happen, right? Like, and then things happen. So there's this world where nothing exists, right? There's just kind of this dark, formless world and the spirit of God is there. No one wants to hang out in that world. And then just God goes, hey, let there be. And then it's like, the fancy phrase, yeah, the fancy phrase is ex nihilo, but that's not that fun. From nothing, from nothing. Like, I, I, I dare you to try to make something happen where nothing exists. We can't even do that with, like, our TVs. Work! We just yell at stuff and try to get it to happen. Work! Do this! Get fixed! But yet God, when he speaks, the world just goes, all right. The world has never had a problem obeying. Even nothing obeys God. Even absence obeys God. Even silence obeys God. God said, let there be there is. Never once do you see God contending with creation to do something. But time and time again, you see God going, do it, and it's so. It's pretty easy. I mean, we wish our marriages and our jobs and our friends and our families were like that. You know, if I just say it, it happens, but it doesn't happen, because why? There's one who speaks, and even nothing responds. Even absence responds. Even silence responds. So we start, God is. He's eternal. God speaks. He makes himself known. God creates. He creates. And we can get a little weird about the order. We were talking about this at prayer this past week. Like, okay, so he creates light in day one, but then he creates stars a few days later. Like, well, God is light. That's my answer. Is there some other fancy answer? Sure, like people have write long papers on this, but I'm not that smart. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. It is no problem for God to have light exist where there is no light. In fact, if you read in Revelation, it's like, hey, there is no, you know, there's no darkness because God is the light. God's not like, man, I need a sun in here. Like it's, it's, it's too dark in heaven. No, he doesn't need that. Why? Because he himself is that. So there's just two words I want to give you, forming and filling. Okay, so, so that's kind of a helpful way to think about how the world gets created. So three days, God is forming the world that he will fill in the next three days. So he forms it. And you can kind of see it. He creates this world of light and dark separation, day one. And then he creates kind of earth and sky, uh, land. He's starting to separate things out. Then, correspondingly, he's like, now that we've created this dark light space, let's make greater lights and lesser lights. Let's go ahead and put things into the sky, and let's put things into the water. Let's put beasts on the ground, and let's create people to rule over it all. So he forms the world in three days. And he fills the world in the next three days. That's that's what's going on, forming and filling. So he's creating the structure in which the world as we know it exists, and then he's filling it with the things that we will understand that fill it. So it's a great thing, forming and filling. And so you can see those connections. You can line them up, day one, two, three, day four, five, six. They correspond. 
So forming over here, filling what he formed the next day. It's awesome. And every time he does it, what's happening? Things are going, okay, 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 okay. I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. Like, who does that? There's no one like our God. And then we get to God creates man in his own image. Genesis 1, 26 and 27, and God is moving, and he says, let us create God or man in our own image. Now, we see that us, and the us, again, is peculiar, because who's the us? Who's the us? You gotta go, Trinity, right, Father, Son, Spirit. So there are people who believe in the Trinity who would not say the us is the Trinity, and, and they would say, I think he's talking about like the angelic host. I think he's talking about, because when that kind of phrase shows up in other spots in the New Testament, it's always about those who are around God, it's not God himself. And I'm like, I, I understand that, but this is just my take, okay? I'm not created in the image of angels. I'm created in the image of God. That's what verse 27 says. So man, humans, male, female, created in the image of God, Makes sense then as a believer, right? And this is reading back now that we've seen the Father, Son, and Spirit revealed through the work of Jesus and the sending of the Spirit. We have that theology developed to look back and go, yeah, we're created in the image of God. When God says, let us create man in our image, created in the image of God, and our God is triune. And how, what does it mean to be created in the image of God? That's always a funny thing. People try to grasp it like, what does that mean? It means I have feelings. Well, like dogs have feelings. Right? Whales have feelings. Like, like, like it's not a, it's about feelings. In what ways do we do this? But I think God helps us understand what that means. God created man in his own image and he blessed them. And he said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Rule over it, subdue it. So, so what God is saying is, I want my image, the picture, reflection of me, to exist all over this world and when he's asking them to rule over this world and subdue it, what is he saying? I want you to be like me throughout the world. I want this to be seen. And so this is what God has asked of his creation from the very beginning. But it gets messed up in Genesis chapter 3. But God is on his way. Next week we'll do the call of Abram, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Uh, and the blessing that comes is that God then still, even what he says to man in Genesis 1, he says to Abram, Abraham in Genesis 12. But, he says it this way, through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed, right? That's still this idea of, I want the world to see me, I want the world to know me, I want the world to have people who reflect me, so as we are created in God's image, we reflect heart, desire, the creativity of our creator. That there's a difference between humans and animals. Though we could say we're homo sapiens, absolutely, sure, yeah, we, we are. But there's a difference between humans of any kind at conception, throughout their life, end of life care, whatever it might be, the image of God never leaves. Nor does it grow, it is. Because God is. 
So our God is, our God speaks, our God creates. He creates this world, everything in it. So what you can see in Israel, going, okay, 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 okay. Like there's, I can't escape God anywhere I go. In fact, to reject God as I go outside or as I look at the sun or as I enjoy lunch after this is to neglect the fact that everything I see and everything I know and everything I feel and everything I experience that is good comes from him. Because God does not create bad, ever. There are no rejects. It wasn't like, oh man, you know, this is like the 15th version of Genesis as he tried to get it right. I wanna, you know, we're gonna kind of crumble that one up, throw it away, let's try again. I think I got the, the, the formula was wrong. It was right from the beginning because he is right always. And so we see what God is doing and then we have this, Weird thing, he creates the whole world and then the first three verses of chapter two, he rests. Why, was he tired? Just ask, like, you rest because you're tired. Been a long day. So like, does God come home and he's just like, oh man, that creation thing, right? Takes his jacket off, hangs on the coat rack. Six days, I have not exerted that kind of energy since forever. And he can actually mean it. I'm old because I'm always, and I'm tired. I need a day, just one day to myself. Well, we know better. God does not sleep, nor does he slumber, so why does he rest? Why does he rest? And this is the beauty of his sovereignty, even in creation. Remember who's reading this, an Israelite. And what has God said to an Israelite? Six days you shall work, and one day you shall rest. Because that's what your God did. So even in creation, look at this, even in creation, he's setting an example for what he knows will happen and for his plan of redemption. That Israel is a part of his plan of redemption and he's giving Israel rhythms and how they are supposed to live. So even as the creation story is happening, God rests, even though the communication of why he rests on the seventh day doesn't really show up until he's telling his people Israel long after how to live. Abram was saved from paganism. He wasn't following after God. God just kind of grabbed him and was like, hey, you, we're gonna go do this. That's what happened. Abram was saved from his paganism and idol worship and God just goes, I'm gonna do something through you and it's gonna bless the whole world. And that begins, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, we follow the Jacob narrative, we end with Joseph, we end, in, we end in Egypt, then we get to Exodus and we see the nation being formed. That's what starts to happen. So even as God rests, what's he doing? He's setting an example. He's setting an example that he won't fully communicate until his people Israel are there. But even in creation, he's doing it because God never forgets. And he doesn't need a plan B. He's showing work and rest because he knows this is how my creation will have to live. So he rests. Interesting to me. Why do tired people rest? That makes me know that resting is not bad. Because sometimes you feel lazy when you're resting. You know, you're like, oh man, I just have so much to do. 
Well, God never needs rest, and yet he did to show us. Remember Psalm 23, he makes me lie down. He makes me. That it is divine to rest. But we rest from our work, right? Sometimes we can think, I'm just lazy and slothful, and I don't really work, but I need to rest a lot. No, you don't. You need to work so that your rest can matter. You rest from work so that you continue to work because in that, what do we do? We reflect our creative God. That your work reflects God because God works. Your rest reflects God because God rests. But you rest then so you can work because as you do that, you're still, you're creating and you're reflecting and you're showing people your creative God in whatever little corner of the world God has given to you to do that. It's awesome. But this is what I love. I'm skipping thousands of years here, just forgive me. Because we need to connect some dots. And we need to see that our God, after all went wrong, came to us. So I want you to look at the first three verses of the Gospel of John. In the beginning, huh, heard that before. Where did we just hear that? Genesis. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things, listen to this, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So what do we see? You know who was there the whole time? The Son. You know who was creating the whole time? The Son. This is what I love as you read Genesis 1, is you realize God made no mistake. Even as he creates, he's giving an example. And even as we read in Genesis, John, or in John, John is clearly saying, I need you to know that when you read in the beginning God, and you see in the beginning was the word, that we're talking about the same person. When Jesus says to the Pharisees, hey, before Abraham was, I am, he knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah, that was me. Tell him I am sent you, that was me. The one speaking, I've always been the word. I've always been the one speaking for God. That's how it works, because I am God. So when we have the word became flesh, the son of God becomes flesh, and then we have a name, Jesus, the name above every name. But the son of God was active in creation as we see in John 1, 1 through 3. Why? because God is always moving toward his creation. He creates them, puts them in a garden. Even when they sin, he comes to them. And when their sin cannot, the gap of their sin cannot be covered, what happens? God comes to restore it. That's our God, different than any other God. Different than any other ancient Near East creation story you would ever read, where gods are warring together or they're having relationships, and then from that comes what we know. No, 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 no. What is happening here is you hear Moses writing this out and going, No, God is, and when he speaks, it happens, and he doesn't need any help. But here we are in his world. So we need to recognize this as his world and worship him as the creator of this world and praise him when we see things that are good. And even when we, you know, you, you're in your garden or wherever you are and something goes right, you praise God. 
because all good things come from him, because he's the only one who is good. He creates good, he is good. Different than anyone or anything ever, and that will always be the case, and he came to us. Impressions matter. Impressions matter. And God wants us to know who he is. But will we surrender to it? It's what I pray we can do, surrender to it. So let me pray that for us. God, as we hear throughout your scriptures the declaration that you are holy, 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 you are different, you are so far from us and yet so near to us, thank you. May we see your character and your nature even through the first verses of these scriptures and realize all that we see, all that we breathe, all that goes on is good because you were good. That you're the source of life. You're the source of this world. You hold this world together by the word of your power and we praise you. Where our hearts desire to rebel against you, where we do not want to follow, where we do not want to accept that you are, that you speak, that you create, that you have ways you want us to live. Forgive us, Lord. Point our eyes and our hearts and our minds towards how good you are. Be glorified through this, your church, as we seek your heart that you have made clear to us in your scriptures. We ask that we would align our heart to yours and we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.